Inflammation affects everything at this point. It's huge now in brain health. We know it affects weight gain. We know that it affects just energy levels in general. It's going to affect the mitochondria. It could be obviously from the food you eat. If you eat inflammatory foods, you're eating sugar and gluten every day. So it affects every part of your health. It could be from, which again, what you're eating, not exercising, stress obviously can boost your inflammatory levels. So that's why you want to do some combination, again, of mind-body, exercise, supplementation, peptides, and kind of have that program. Welcome to the Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Dr. Neil Paulvin. Today, he's going to share his wealth of knowledge on peptides, nootropics, and share a different twist on mitochondrial health. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint podcast. Today, I have Dr. Paulvin. The goal with his patients is to optimize their health in the first 60-minute visit. He's board certified in family medicine, anti-aging and regenerative medicine, osteopathic manipulation, functional medicine, craniosacral therapy, and medical acupuncture. He's helped top executives, Olympic athletes, top trainers, and celebrities optimize their health. Dr. Paulvin has been featured in the New York Post, Nutritious Life, Fasting MD, Ari Witten, and many other publications and podcasts. Dr. Dr. Paulvin's practice is based in Manhattan. He also serves clients in multiple states, including Florida and California, over telemedicine. Dr. Paulvin uses traditional and alternative treatments to help his patients. Patients see Dr. Paulvin for his expertise in biohacking and health optimization. In addition, he specializes in helping his patients with hormone optimization, peptide therapy, nootropics, and natural options for pain relief, which we're going to get into today. So thanks for coming on the show. Welcome, Dr. Paulvin. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. So tell me your story. How did you get interested in regenerative medicine? I too am board certified in anti-aging, regenerative and functional medicine. So tell me how, how you got interested in that. It was kind of just the natural progression. I started doing family medicine. I, do, I did sports medicine. And then back then it was, you started having supplements became really big and PRP became a little bit bigger. And then I was dealing with patients also. I, I somehow got a lot of patients who had either chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia. And the basic stuff, traditional prescriptions just weren't cutting it. So I started doing deep dive into acupuncture and then to hormones. And then it just kind of, you go to more conferences and you know the same thing. You learn, oh, this works and that works. You talk to other doctors and you just kind of keep going and going. And now my practice has kind of transferred more into cutting edge stuff as opposed, and I'm mixing with some hormones. Still deal with a lot of the fibro patients. And I also help people who want to, I call them like the people who want to be, always be at 11 on a scale of one to 10. That's kind of like my clientele. They, that people always aren't happy. They want to be better, which is a good thing. I like that. I like that a lot. I've never heard that. I want to be an 11. I want to be a 12. You know? <laughs> That's great. So I, I would agree. And I, I think it's exciting, like you said, to be on the cutting edge, to be more progressive. And so I want to talk about a lot of those therapies because I think my guests are very interested in those. So one of which is peptides. And I have had some speakers in the past talk a little bit about peptides, but everyone has their own opinion in their favorite peptides. So Let's, let's talk about peptides again. Tell me what they are, and then we'll get into kind of your favorite peptides and their uses. Sure. Peptides are small, most of them are small amino acids that are put together. Um, they could be anywhere from like nine amino acids, some are in a couple hundreds. They are different than a lot of other things out there because they can work in very special, they're very in a very special location, there's a special, specific hormone area or specific receptor. 
or they can work on acting a specific pathway, like an, the NAD pathway, or they just activate certain chemicals in the brain to help with uh, either anxiety or depression or memory. So that's why they've kind of gr grabbed this niche because a lot of them have very minimal side effects and they work pretty quickly and they don't really interact with a lot of their medications, which is why I really like them as well. That a lot of times when I was doing traditional medicine, they would, you'd have to give somebody a side effect, a medicine for the side effect of the medicine they're already on. Like I mentioned, like things like fibromyalgia. So they could be anything from, I mean, it's, it's exploded in the last even three months. It's like every week there's a new thing going <laughs> on, but I've had everything. They're now everything from cream form to nose spray to injection to now we're doing an IV. So it runs the gamut. Wow. Wonderful. I spoke on Ari Witten somewhat about hormones, and I believe you spoke on peptides, and I haven't heard that talk, so I need to go back and <laughs> and watch that. That was the Superhuman Energy Summit, which is wonderful. For anyone listening, I would encourage you to check that out. So let's break down peptides into some of those categories and uses that you mentioned. So maybe starting with anxiety and depression, what peptides do you use for those symptoms? The ones that are really out there now are... Um I use a lot of C-Max and C-Lank, which are both either nose sprays or injectable. They work very well. The RBPC-157 does have some activation on serotonin and dopamine, so it's usually a nice add-on. Um, I think yeah, like BBC is definitely my favorite peptide because it's got so many. It's got so many different uses and really has no side effects. And then I'll combine it with something called DHHB, which is not a true peptide, but it's kind of become an adopted brother or cousin for in terms of anxiety or depression. If there's any brain issues, I'll combine that with something called either cerebrolysin or dihexa. And then we always, we always got to fix the gut. So again, that BPC-157, because we know there's definitely the causation between the gut health and the gut-brain axis and, and so on. Let, let's talk about BPC-157 for a moment. So I first heard about that years ago, you know, getting injected into athletes who were um, having injuries and it could expedite the healing process. At least to my knowledge, that's no longer available in that form, but we do carry it at our clinic in an oral capsule version that patients can take for gut health. Is that the what you're using? I mean, I do know. We have, I inject joints. I, okay. I, patients inject it all the time. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm now starting to do it a lot IV. Wow. I had a patient come in. I do, again, fibro patients as well as something called quinolone toxicity. They call it floxing now. Yeah. Um, it's become a... It's become a really incredible treatment. I mean, there's patients who six months ago couldn't walk, and now they've gotten IV, BBC combined with something called thymus and beta-4. Some people may know it as TB500. Yeah. And it's gotten incredible results. So you're working with a different pharmacy than me. So you're, you're getting it. <laughs> yeah, no, we can yeah. talk offline. I can definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can hook you up with that. <laughs> so the oral version that is available, I have started using with my patients, and I've been taking it myself. Uh, because its claim to fame is that it can help conditions like Crohn's and colitis and leaky gut syndrome per se. Um, so is that one application for the oral use that you use in your practice? I use the oral. I mean, I'm now using high-dose oral. I use kind of three times, four times the, the old-school dose at this point. I also have now found a company that makes the BPC suppository. And I had a oh. patient with, with UC ulcerative colitis who yeah. was having some bleeding and she did the suppository for a month and a half, and the bleeding is gone. Wow, that makes sense. Yeah, Put it right where the, the problem lies. That's great. Yeah. And if the BPC-157 is helping heal the gut, then like you said, we have to start with the gut from a mental health perspective, heal the gut, and then the anxiety and depression will improve. But let's go back to those nasal sprays you mentioned. So are those providing a short-acting effect, or are the effects longer term? Is that something that has to be used multiple times a day? No, it's definitely just once a day. 
what I tend to do is in a perfect world is I'll use a, I'll use kind of a, a stacking dose, which the patient will do the C-max three or four times a week and the C-length the other three times a week. Okay. Um, we even give them a day off in the middle just to see how it works as the brain gets accommodated to it. I tend to do it. I mean, there are people who do it in perpetuity. I usually will give them a month off in between after several months of using it. Sure. Because um, if it's working, it's working. If it's not, it's not anyway. Um, then I'll use it. Like you said, we combine it with other gut stuff. And pro- again, I'm sure stuff you've already talked about, things like probiotics and regulating their hormones and cortisol and things like that. So, but sure. I, it, it's once a day at max for me, at least. Sure. And are those peptides that can be used with medications if patients with anxiety and depression are medicated? You alluded to peptides not having a lot of interactions in the past. Can patients take the peptides also with medications that are already being prescribed? They can. I tend to low dose them then. I tell, first of all, I got to make sure their doctor, I don't prescribe a lot of those type of medications for my patients. They're coming, they, I, they do that to another doctor. But as long as the doctor's on board, I just tell them to go about half the dose they would be on normally. Okay. See how they feel and go from there. Sure. So I do, they, they, they can be combined. But you just got to make, I'd rather them go too low and then go really slow because with serotonin, it's one thing you don't want too high, too much serotonin that can get them in trouble. So that's the one thing I'm a little cautious about. Sure, sure. I get asked all the time, what's one product that I just can't live without when it comes to maintaining my own health and longevity? And my answer is something you've actually heard me mention on several episodes. It's called mitochondrial complex, and it's pretty much the Cadillac of multivitamins. And it's packed with antioxidants, including three key players, acetyl-L-carnitine, alpha-lipoic acid, and N-acetylcysteine. Think of a steam engine that requires coal to be continually shoveled into the furnace to power the train forward. Acetyl-L-carnitine does that for your body by shoveling short-chain fatty acids into your cells to provide your body with energy. This is an absolutely essential task to keeping you running. However, what's a byproduct of fire? You guessed it, smoke. Unfortunately, in this analogy, smoke from fire equals free radicals. To combat those free radicals, other antioxidants are needed, and that's where alpha-lipoic acid and N-acetylcysteine come in. Together, they scavenge free radicals and help boost and recharge glutathione, the most potent antioxidant in the body. To top it off, mitochondrial complex also contains a little bit of green tea extract, broccoli seed extract with sulforaphane, and even resveratrol. Research has shown that when athletes and individuals that are under stress begin taking this product, they are less likely to get sick as they're giving their body what it needs to conquer those stressors. Who doesn't need protection from stress and cellular damage at this time? I certainly do. I take this product every day. If you're interested in learning more about how mitochondrial complex can help support you living a longer, healthier life, check out my blog post on why antioxidants are important found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash why dash antioxidants dash are dash important or in chapter four of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. To get 10% off our mitochondrial complex, just use code energy when checking out at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the show. You alluded to thymus and beta, and I want to talk about thymus and alpha one also, or thymus and beta four, I think, <laughs> thymus and alpha one. Peptides can be used for immune modulation, and I've only just begun really using these in some of my chronic disease patients. So let's talk about those two and break them down in their main applications. TB4, thymus and beta four. Again, people may also, if you're an athletic field, may have heard of it as TB500 which is a smaller fragment of it, is thymus and beta-4 is good for regulating the immune system and also boosts stem cell production, but also can increase blood flow to the area, which is why it does boost stem cell production. So it is good um, for boosting immunity. It's been used now with patients with hepatitis and some other gastrointestinal issues. Right. 
So that it's that also people were technically off label using it as a COVID in the COVID cocktail of peptides when this all unfortunately everything started in March. It's also great for recovery. It's great. I've used it in athletes for rotator cuff tears and things like that. But in terms of immunity, it's a, it's a nice. It's um, has definitely has some utility. As I mentioned, that's the one peptide which I will right now use for about three or four months, and then I'll have them take a break just because we don't know because of the, of the stem cell production. I tend to give them a break. Some doctors disagree. That the peptides was good. Great about peptides is there's always a new one. There's there's no. This isn't like a Z-pack or something where it's pretty textbook user pack and I'll, I'll see you in three months. So it's always a learning curve. But um, that's the one thing. In terms of thymus and alpha-1, it's like the holy grail right now. <laughs> uh, in terms of a, a first with immunity, we just had some really good studies come out with COVID that it did help in terms of immune reaction to it. So it, it has been shown to, again, help hepatitis. It's been shown to boost your natural killer cells, regulate your TH1 versus TH2 ratio, TH17. So it does all the great things that you want any natural treatment to do in terms of immunity, but also some hard studies behind it to back it up. It also has some huge anti-aging protocols, part of which is just higher dosed. It's also being done IV now, which is great for a quicker, higher boost. I mean, it's been used kind of, wow. off, again, off-label with COVID patients, IV. I think they're doing some further studies on that now. So it has a great immunity boost. I mean, I think it should be in that along with BBC should be in the water supply at this point. <laughs> I mean, TA1 is great because it's also been already approved by the FDA. So people still get worried about things that aren't FDA approved, quote unquote. So that gives you a little bit more leeway there too. Sure. Yeah. Uh, a previous medical doctor I interviewed on this podcast who got COVID uses peptides heavily. And he said thymosin alpha-1 was certainly part of his protocol to get better. But something that could be taken as more of a preventative to boost your immunity so you don't get sick, or if you get sick, you can take more of it to help you recover. And just to explain to the audience, which I'm sure you can expand better on this, because <laughs> I have this minimal understanding of peptides, but as we age, I, I see a menopausal population, I like to tell my patients that the ovaries kind of shrivel up and throw in the towel, right? The ovaries don't really help so much as we age many times. Um, when they're done, they're done. And the same is true with the thymus gland. So the thymus gland also can essentially shrivel up or atrophy, so it's not helping with immunity like it should be. And that's where these thymosin, you know, peptides come in. So hence the name thymosin alpha-1 or thymosin beta-1. They're helping with T-cell production that's supposed to be coming from the thymus gland. Do you want to expand on that at all? It's definitely been shown to boost both antibody immunity and cell-based immunity, which is both fighting a bacterial infection and then long-term producing antibodies, which again, why it becomes, it's great for everything, including COVID. Right. Um, it boosts natural killer cells will help get your body break down, for lack of a better way, help kind of eat up infection. I can't have a better analogy than <laughs> that for it. So it, it it does all those things. So it, and again, like I said, it kind of gives the the uh, the shriveled up thymus some help. Yes, yes, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so lots of applications there it can be extremely helpful. And like you said, yeah, it'd be better to be in the water supply than fluoride and some of the other things they're putting in our <laughs> in our water supply. Um, what about weight loss? So patients usually as they age. Body composition tends to change. So many patients want to lose weight, get that extra edge. So what peptides do you use there? I, I have to ask. Weight loss is because obviously always is one of those hot button topics. There's a bunch. So let's see. It, it depends on what the patients are looking for. So first of all, there's something called Amlexinox, which helps boost insulin sensitivity, get rid of insulin resistance, works in the IK3 pathway, a lot of alphabet soup there, which helps with weight loss. It's 
three times a day at the pill, which people like, because some people are not fans of injecting themselves. So sure. people like that. You can combine that with what's called TCA cream, which is quote unquote fat loss cream. Yep. That's great for those people for the love handles or something for a local area. It's not obviously going to, you can't put on your whole body or bathe in it. But some people would love to at some point. But uh, so, I mean, that's a starting point. There's a new one out called Mott C, which you may have talked about in some of your mitochondria stuff. But it also, because it does improve insulin resistance, it helps with weight loss. It, helps, it also helps because it boosts NAD, gives you a better workout to lose more calories and so on and so forth. There's also then the other big grouping is the growth hormone peptides. Right. I always tell my patients, it really depends what your goals are. I have athletes who want it more springtime. They want to get lean and cut and look good on the beach. The big gun there is something called tessamorelin. Unfortunately, it's insanely expensive right now. It's probably mm-hmm. about $700 a month. Then the, the, kind of below that is what's called CJC and ipamorelin, which is pretty good. It's not as strong as tessamorelin. And, and then there's a smaller fragment, something called AOD, which is good for joint pain and for weight loss. It, that's kind of become its niche. And that works very well. So it's usually a combination. It really depends on how aggressive patients want to be and what's good. You can go from injection to cream to pill to... Every patient has their own, what they want. Preference. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that fat loss cream, immediately, as a, as a female, when I heard about that initially, I thought, ooh, I want to try that. <laughs> and I haven't yet, but that's something that can be used around the knees, right? If you're having kind of some saggy tissue there. I mean, it can be used in areas that you, whatever areas you, you would like to use it on. You alluded to NAD. So let's, let's transition a little bit to talking about mitochondrial dysfunction. Why does it negatively impact longevity? And then we'll kind of talk about some things like NAD that can help. So what's mitochondrial dysfunction? How long do we have at this point? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, mitochondrial dysfunction is pretty much, I mean, it, mitochondria does a lot of different things. Obviously, it's the battery part of your, it's your battery. It's your, it produces all your ATP, your energy, helps produce a lot of your proteins. It helps regulate your DNA. So all those different things are done in, in the mitochondria. So if, when it's dysfunctional, obviously it's not doing something right. Infection, inflammation, oxidative stress, which is when you have the reactive oxygen species or reactive nitrogen species cause damage. And it kind of just like somebody, you it's kind of have your big Lego set and you kind of start breaking pieces of that Lego thing down and it's not connected anymore. So when it's not connected, things don't work as well. So first people will get a lot of fatigue if the energy part is not working. We're now noting that there's another part of the mitochondria called the endoplasm in particulum, which helps make your proteins. They're now, they're now big in the last year. is now something called endoplasmic reticulum stress. And we're finding there's a huge association between that and calcium buildup in the mitochondria. It makes it not work as well. So they're actually using calcium channel blockers, which is the blood pressure medicine to block that. And we're also finding a huge association between that and like neurodegenerative diseases, such as like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. So that's an issue. And another thing you could see, I mean, you could get fatigue, you could have brain fog or memory issues. Also, there's DNA toxicity because you mentioned NAD. If the NAD is not produced, NAD activates certain proteins like which are called PARPs and some other things like P53 that can help get rid of the, some of the DNA damage and kind of recycle it. If that doesn't work, you're in trouble. So that's, that's the short version of what can happen. I mean, it's also associated between that and diabetes. So the key is right now we're finding more and more that everybody talks about, you talk about cholesterol and everything else, take care of your body. You need to take care of your mitochondria because it takes care mm. of you. So. Yep, so true. 
So on past episodes, and we kind of talked about this before starting the recording today, I have talked to other guests who have mentioned their favorite mitochondrial boosting nutrients, things like carnitine and alpha-lipoic acid and N-acetylcysteine. NAD seems to be a new popular buzzword. NAD is <laughs> something in the last couple of years, I know I always hear about it at anti-aging conferences, whatnot. So it sounds like that's something that you also utilize. It sounds like you do a lot of IVs in your practice. Do you offer it IV, sublingual? What's your uh, patch form? What's your favorite way to administer that? It, de- I mean, honestly, it depends on the patient. If they're looking for the, the most bang for the buck is still IV. But if you're going to do IV, now we're finding that you definitely want, you need to do a, a stack of probably four times within two weeks at least to do it. I go really fast. I might can get it in my patients in about two hours. Some doctors do it over four or five hours. So I tell my patients, if you can't either A, dip, don't have time to do it for four or five times, or unfortunately it's expensive to do, if you don't, then don't start. You can't dip your toe into the IV. If mm-hmm. you're going to do it, do it. Otherwise, there's a lot of other forms like you mentioned. My favorite besides that is probably the patch at this point. The one caveat, I've had a couple people get allergic to the adhesive sure, and they sure. feel worse. But probably my second favorite would be the patch. Otherwise, now there's these new NAD melts, melt tabs, our patients are really loving. And I also recommend all my NAD patients to do either an NAD booster or an AMP, AMPK booster, which helps produce NAD. If you're going to, again, if you're going to do it, just do it and get the maximal benefit of it. Sure. So I, I had asked my one of my first guests who talked about NAD about, well, a couple things here, about the NAD IVs. And she was explaining that some of her patients get that kind of stomach flipping sensation when you're administering them that fast. Does that go away with time with consecutive IVs or do they get that sensation with each IV? Most patients will get not happen as much. And also, when we do it that fast, if we want to, then we can give them other, like give them like a Zofran, which is an anti-nausea medication. Sure. And we just find that it works. Patients get a much bigger bang for their buck when they go, it goes a little faster. If they can't tolerate this, we can slow play it and do the four-hour. But most honestly, most patients who are coming to see me for IVs, they're asking for it. Like, like, oh, <laughs> unfortunately, it's become a competition. If you read online, if you ever look at some of the groups, oh, I did in two hours. No, I did an hour and 32 minutes. It's kind of like... It's gotten, it's almost the opposite, but no, um, it can cause that. And there's skull patients who just, you really got to go really, really slow. Sure. So my second concern with that, because through my training with like Dr. Ben Lynch and hearing about how you treat overmethylation, well, you can use an NAD for that. You can use it just like niacin in general, but to treat overmethylation, my concern was that, okay, all these patients are getting pumped full of NAD. Is that actually hindering or blocking methylation? And I asked one of my past guests and she said, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Well, since that time, months have passed. I have asked many people and they said, actually, that is that is legitimate. That is a concern. We do want to make sure that we aren't essentially impacting methylation negatively by overuse of NAD. So what are your thoughts on that? Exactly what you said. I mean, there is initially it was kind of like, eh, and now it's really, it's become an issue. I mean, we, we do regulate it. I mean, we also can check if we do tell patients that they have certain overmeth, overmethylation symptoms to let us know. I haven't had anybody with the issue yet. I haven't, and I know there are one or two people have, have had the issue. It's, it's it's a theoretical possibility. I just haven't had anybody with it. I always sure. do let the patients know. And I, if somebody does have like an MTHFR or one of the other right. mutations, I let, make sure they're aware of what the possibilities are. And then we could, I, I suppose, I don't give NADIVs, but I suppose you could give methylation support as well then to prevent the impact on methylation by the NAD. You can, yeah. I mean, you can. Most of my patients are already on a B, some type of methylation right. protocol, or if they need it. 
You don't want to give anything the day of the IV usually, because otherwise it doesn't work as well. But you can definitely get them. If they have an issue, you can definitely give them support on the back end. Sure, sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about NRF2 modulators. Well, first, what is NRF2? Why do we need to know about that yet? <laughs> Anybody who's probably listened to your podcast knows about glutathione, how it's a great antioxidant, probably know about NAC or NAC. Yep. NRF2 is kind of the forgotten antioxidant cousin who may actually be better than the rest of them at this point. From my perspective, I mean, there's studies coming out in terms of how it works. It does have a kind of a brotherhood with NAD in terms of the way it's activated. Of course, now I'm forgetting the abbreviation of the it's key. It's the key pathway, and there's another pathway which, of course, I'm blanking on. But um, it's a very strong antioxidant. They're also finding now that it has anti-cancer possibilities as well as the ability, like NAD does, to help to help any type of DNA some DNA damage. It can be taken in supplement form. There's a couple different companies that make them now. There are a little bit different combinations. Some have green tea, some have resveratrol, some have sulfur. I can't pronounce it. Sulforaphane, sulforaphane, yeah. <laughs> I never can say it right. And there's different combinations. I know there's a bunch of stuff coming down the pike. It was supposed to come down the pike before the pandemic. I pretty much tell all my patients who are in a, as part of their initial mitochondrial cocktail. <laughs> cocktail, exactly, that I add that in there with some of the other things that you probably talked about in the past. And and they tend to feel a little better. I mean, some, one of the ones where they'll, some things you just, they don't know that they're getting better. They just, they, the lab work shows it or whatever. This, they actually will feel a little bit more energy within a couple of weeks usually. I know another antioxidant that you use that we have not yet talked about on the podcast is PQQ. Yeah, PQQ, I really liked. I didn't realize how good it was. And now there's a bunch of studies coming down the pike. Well, not the pike, they've already been released that would combine with, some of the peptides have really will help with oxidative stress and heal oxidative stress. It helps with mitochondrial biogenesis, which is the divide and division, the, the reproduction of the mitochondria. It also helps potentially fix the mitochondrial energy, which helps produce ATP. It's called a mitochondrial transport chain. Again, it's like a little connection of slides, as the way I try to explain it to patients. So if, if, it's not, if they're all not all connected, things don't work well, it actually may heal that. It also may help with oxidative stress, which is, again, the damage from free radicals or... They're kind of like the breakdown products that call, the, the breakdown bad guys, the breakdown bullies that you can have in your within your cells themselves. It's definitely part of my cocktail with um, another comp- product that's called MitoQ, which also helps mitochondrial damage. And it's kind of become my go-to. I mean, literally in the last two months, I've seen I think three or four studies that show how efficacious PQQ was. Um, and it was kind of used to be below the ones you mentioned previously, and now it's kind of jumped itself up the list a little bit. And PQQ sometimes, for the listeners, you can find in other products. Like we have a B-complex. It's from Pure Encapsulations, actually, that has, you know, all the methylated B vitamins plus PQQ in it. Sometimes you'll find that in combination with other products. And then MitoQ, for the listeners, is coenzyme Q10. So it's a specific form, supposedly better absorbed (laughs) um, version of CoQ10, just so they know what that MitoQ is. So I know you work with a lot of athletes. uh, So I know you help improve mobility. So why does mobility matter? Why? How does mobility help our health and longevity? Mobility helps because we're finding more now that it's great that you work out and build muscle. Muscle mass is obviously very important, but if you become stiff, then one is the joints themselves will become inflamed and lack of range of motion leads to inflammation. It leads to breakdown of the muscle, which leads to potential nerve damage, but also can lead to weight gain the more immobile you are as you get older, it can lead to things like osteoporosis or just a joint pain in general. Also, immobility 
will start localized. It could be your shoulder, it could be your low back from sitting on doing all your Zoom calls for the last six months, whatever it is. And then it's going to spread to your mid-back and then it's going to spread to your shoulders because that's the way, if one thing locks up, the other thing gets eventually has to overwork and then it gets locked up and so on. That affects certain things. It's going to, the main thing we notice now is that it can affect breathing and your diaphragm. And we know now, well, I'm sure again, most people who listen to your podcast or, 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 or to diaphragmatic breathing and, or meditation or, or yoga or any of those type of things. And if that diaphragm is not moving and you're not able to get to exhale the toxins and also will affect your, then affect your vagus nerve and which leads to all other side effects. So mobility is not just about, oh, my shoulder, I have a little bit of shoulder pain. It could actually be things like, again, your, will affect your diaphragm. It could affect the nervous system, but then it'll affect your lymphatic drainage system, which will affect your body's ability to detox. So it's a snowball, it's a snowball effect. I mean, I never did any mobility work 10 years ago. And now I do it every day. I mean, it's become a thing now. I mean, I, don't, I mean, if you're on social media, everybody has a mobility workout now. And it's, it is beneficial to athletic performance. It's also beneficial in terms of your health because it affects, again, your lymphatics. It affects your ability to detox. So tell me about these mobility workouts. How do we improve mobility? Improve mobility, you can do this one of two ways. And I recommend that it depends on what your lifestyle is. Um, I definitely recommend you probably would alternate between doing joint specific. I mean, the one I love is a program that's called Kin Stretch, K-I-N Stretch, because it's actually, it's like stretching for your joints. So they have very specific mobility drills for your shoulders and your hips. I would recommend doing that once or twice a week with either a foam roller, massage ball, whatever you use, and then doing a full body mobility to mobilize your fascia cat cow what we call the scorpion stretch pigeon things like that that are much more generalized things i even have pages now that foam roll or do massage ball on their abdomen to, to mobilize the detox or even i have patients who mobilize their chest muscles if they're on the younger side to help again help the better that your respiratory muscles are breathing and also stimulate your vagus nerve to keep working so you sure. want to mix and match that stuff Sure. It sounds like going to yoga could be very helpful for also just in general. <laughs> yoga is awesome. <laughs> uh, what about inflammation? So how does inflammation affect our health and longevity? <laughs> in Another, how much time do you have? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I mean, inflammation affects everything at this point. It's huge now in brain health. I mean, that's again, back to BPC. We find that patients who have any type of brain issue, we get the inflammation down because of some type of blood-brain barrier issue. It's incredible. We know it affects weight gain. We know that it affects just energy levels in general. It's going to affect the mitochondria. It could be obviously from the food you eat, if you eat inflammatory foods, you're eating sugar and gluten every day. So it affects every part of your health. It could be from, which again, what you're eating, not exercising, stress, obviously, can boost your inflammatory levels. So that's why you want to do some combination, again, of mind-body, exercise, supplementation, peptides, and kind of have that program. I mean, besides the mitochondria, controlling inflammation is one of the biggest things that you can do and eating right in terms of affecting your health. What are your top supplement recommendations for reducing inflammation? I love BPC, obviously. Yep, I do yep. high-dose high dose BPC. I love CBD, high-dose. Sure. I love uh, curcumin. Yep. Um, which is an old school goodie. The one I really like is called Resolvins, which is a, a specific fish oil derivative. I haven't used it as much lately, but I know it's definitely, it's made by a couple different companies. I think it was from MIT. I'm not sure who exactly. I think it was from MIT. 
and it's incredible. I mean, if you do it the right way, it does take a little longer. It takes about two or three months to really get the full benefit of it, but it has incredible results from everything from joint pain to like fibromyalgia patients. Those are probably my big go-tos. So speaking of fibromyalgia, let's go back to pain. So I know you offer natural options for pain relief to your clients, and maybe you've already spewed all those out through <laughs> through past questions. But when we think of pain in general, I know I'm just asking you to cut to the chase and, and give our, our listeners some some tips, but what do you recommend for pain relief? Pain relief is kind of the one that part of what I just mentioned before, those core yeah, four or five work really well. Sure. I think, and more on, the, again, mind, uh, doing a 25-minute breath work session really works well. Something I really like to have brought up is red light therapy. If you can either get access to a red light bed, which is probably my go-to. I mean, I, I'm in Manhattan, so they're one every two blocks. Um, <laughs> and other places in the country that patients I say I know they're not as readily available. I tell patients that they find that, that does help them to definitely get one at home. You don't have to get the bed. The bed's about $8,000. But you can get the, these portable units, which are about a couple hundred dollars. They work incredibly well. Also fix the mitochondria. Other things I like for pain... It's really more than doing a deeper dive and seeing what else is going on. I'm trying to think. Right. I mean, even optimizing testosterone can help with pain because that helps with blood flow. So, you know, even optimizing hormones is a is a piece of that puzzle. And gut health. I mean, I, mean, I always will, if they have gut, any type of, always checking for like things like, I mean, SIBO or Lyme disease, but I also do a decent amount of, if your pain's not going away, which is two or three different types of treatments, there's probably something else going on. Check the yep. gut, check for some type of infection. And that's usually something that's kind of, or mold, and that's kind of the uh, the door jam preventing you from getting better. Sure, sure. Well, I have to ask about nootropics because that that's also one of those more popular buzzwords. You know, providers who are staying progressive have to know how to respond to that question when patients come in and they want nootropics. So what are your recommendations there? There's so many now. So I'll try to break it down really quickly into different buckets. First thing you need to figure out if you want to do is it a, like an ADD type person or are you just looking to take your brain to 11? There's because there's different things for different issues, but I definitely, I mean, the simple things to take are things like lion's mane is great because it's very easy to get and not extremely sure. expensive. I really like doing something called RG3, which is a combination of ginseng, um, which race car drivers use or professional golfers have used for really good focus and also decreases inflammation in the brain. So I, I really, that's one of my go-tos that's pretty have really minimal side effects to it. And that's a compounded product, right? Because I think of that as being stimulating, is that going to cause anxiety or palpitations like caffeine would? If somebody has a, either one of the genetic mutations, I've had one person who's very sensitive to it. Uh -huh. I've not had anybody else be sensitive to it. It's possible. Okay. But I haven't had anybody else. I, I start people at a lower dose and then I progress them up as needed. So in terms of, I mean, those are the basic ones. I mean, other things that are really good is something called alpha-GPC. Mm -hmm. That could be mixed with lines. It helps boost um, your choline levels. And then, again, you know, the other peptides we talked about, CMAX and C-Link, help a little help. And then the big gun is what's called cerebrolysin, which, if, again, if it could be in the water for anybody from memory issues to unfortunate occasions of any type of traumatic brain injury, incredible nootropic. I don't use that one. Is that an injection or how is that administered? It's an IM injection, so most patients, some patients are a little hesitant to do it. Also, now it's IV, okay. um, so it's 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 a bigger gun. Uh, sure. It's not something that you can just again. Not, that's not one you're dipping your toe in. I mean, there's other ones. I mean, Bacopa. There's tons of other ones out there. A lot of people uh, love. I mean, exogenous ketones is another one. Sure. Either people who go on a keto diet will feel that they get a much more cognitive improvement. Unfortunately, patients who have Alzheimer's or some type of neurodegenerative disease 
they're going, they're putting them on keto diets and they found that their memory does improve. So that's one that you can do either do a keto diet or do some form of exogenous ketone with like an MCT oil, C8 specific. Some people like mixing theanine with theanine, people really like phosphorylserine, which helps with adrenal mm -hmm. excess or breakdown. That's really good too. Yep. Okay. Wonderful. You flooded us with lots of information in a short period of time. And some of this may be a little over the head of some of my audience, but I, at least they can, you know, take notes and go back and listen again if there's one of these peptides they want to try, whatnot. So thank you so much. Um, I know you're in Manhattan, but it sounds like your main website is Dr. Paulvin, P-A-U-L-V-I-N.com. And you do have a free gift on your website for listeners. So tell us what that is. Yeah, um, we talked about definitely how important the mitochondria is. So you definitely can download the uh, free energy guide. It kind of breaks down a lot of the things that we talked about from the mitochondria to nootropics. And uh, it's a nice little easy starter guide uh, of the alphabet soup that we went through today. <laughs> exactly, the alphabet soup. Well, thank you, Dr. Pavan, for coming on the show today, talking about the nootropics and inflammation and mobility and peptides and hormones, everything that I think most of us need and we should want to learn more about. So thank you so much for um, providing that complex information in a more understandable fashion. So it was an honor to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, it was fun. Thanks for having me. Wow, smart guy there, clearly well-trained in lots of peptide therapies. If you're interested in exploring the use of peptides yourself, schedule a consult with Dr. Paul Vin or myself to talk through the best options for you. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I read all of the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, or how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thanks so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.